0: And candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage
0: out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody, and this week I am so excited to be joined with guest host Wajahat Ali, who is a columnist for The Daily Beast. You see him on MSNBC. You read his writing all over the place. Waj, welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm super excited to have you.
2: I am so happy to be here, and no, I do not Look like Toure, but if you want, I can be the brown version of Toure today, and pretty much uh, I can do anything you want. I can juggle, I can make chai, and I w- And you guys are listening to us, but you can't see that. Just for Danielle and uh, democracy ish, I wore the headphones from what looks like a 1987 Walkman, because, <laughs> <Yes>. because <laughs> that's that's what I have a really nice microphone. I have a Blue Yeti microphone, but the headphones, if you guys could see it, it's like it's like what your 62 year old father wears. Uh, while while trying to jog, uh, and I just want Danielle to observe the beauty I, of, this, of these headphones.
1: I, I think that it's stunning. Like they look, they look stunning. You make them look very cool. Nice. Um, so you should feel good about that. And you know what? Like here we are. Um, so Waj, Look, you are one of the most prolific tweeters, and you know this show is democracy ish because our democracy is kind of ishy at the moment. Right, particularly
2: Ashy and Ishi. Yes, Ashy
1: and Ishi. Like it needs moisture, probably <laughs> some coconut water, and probably like a lot of rest. I
2: don't know if your mom was your mom. One of the- those moms, like my moms and like my grandmother, that they'd see a dry spot and they'd like use their spit and just. ah That's, <laughs> that's what America. We need. <laughs> Yeah. We need like all our aunties and mothers, especially women of color, to just like just just put some of the their, their little magic spit uh to, to make it less ishy and less ashy.
1: Less ishy and less ashy and wipe away the white supremacy that is strangling <laughs> this country um to its death. I wanna talk with you because First of all, your writing is just fantastic. So, folks, if you haven't been reading Waj at the Daily Beast, like you absolutely have uh, have to. And he has a book coming out in 2022, uh, Go Back to Where You Came From, which I am thrilled, thrilled for you um, in that. So congratulations.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you.
1: Let's talk about what's being taught in all K through 12 schools. Oh, that's Right. Critical race theory isn't being taught in all K through 12 schools. White hysteria is, Um, you know, the Virginia election, the governor's race put into perspective for me just how crazy white people have become. And maybe I shouldn't say have become, but this white lash, this, you know, in 2016, the media wanted to tell us it was economic anxiety. For the reasons that they were acting the way that they do, and the reasons why they decided to back Donald Trump. Now, in 2021, they want to tell us it's educational anxiety. And it's just concerned parents that are really worried. You know, all of these white Karen moms are really worried about what their kids are going to learn about. And so tell everybody about the piece that you wrote that pissed everyone off, flooded your timeline and your email.
2: Yeah, so the the, the piece I wrote was uh, about these Virginia Karens, Uh, 57% of white women went for Glenn Youngkin, and Glenn Youngkin's only message, a successful message, was parents' choice. And what does that mean? That parents should have a right to to, to, uh, to have their fingerprints on what teachers are teaching. And specifically, did you know that these teachers are teaching CRT and teaching your children to hate white people and making your son into a transgender activist who's going to wear a dress and snort cocaine off of a stripper's belly and, and, and become a godless socialist? And did you know that? Now, I'm a Virginia parent, and I can tell you with two kids, ages five and seven in the Virginia elementary school, that CRT is not taught in elementary schools. I took my only CRT class as an elective as a second year law student because it is taught in colleges and graduate studies. But in the summer, uh, Danielle, I wrote a piece predicting that the GOP will use CRT as a manufactured threat, just like they did with Sharia in the midterm Mm. 2010 elections. Mm -hmm. I literally wrote out exactly how they did it. A grassroots campaign will start. A local issue will become a national issue, will become an international issue that they will campaign on and win midterm elections. I also then gave the Democrats a strategy on how you fight back. So now Terry McAuliffe comes in. For those of you who aren't in Virginia, let me tell you what went down. Terry McAuliffe was governor once before. He waltzed in, thought that this was his his seat for the taking. His message was, I'm Terry McAuliffe. Vote for me. I'm a Democrat. And by the way, that guy Glenn Youngkin's like Trump. Trump isn't president anymore. Youngkin comes in with his fleece, trump light. <laughs> got very lucky that Trump did not come and actually, uh, you know, uh, 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 rally with him. Well, he, trump- he
1: particularly, he told Trump, not to come. Yeah, he he, said, he, like, he said, back channel. stay back home. Channel, so
2: you best not come.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and uh, I'll tell you guys all this also. If Trump had come, he would have lost by two points. Now, what Yunkin did is he used the old Southern strategy racist dog whistle that has been used by Republicans since the 50s and 60s, and instead of busing, instead of welfare queen, instead of Sharia, instead of the birther conspiracy, instead of the caravan that's invading, he went with CRT, which Christopher Rufo, a right wing activist, openly admitted, was manufactured as a catch all. For all the racial anxieties that will work with their base, a majority of white women and enough suburban voters of color to convince them that, oh my God, their children are being taught to hate themselves. And lo and behold, two weeks leading up to the election, education, which was not in the top concern of parents, all of a sudden became The leading concern of all these parents And they tried to, you know, freak out about Toni Morrison's beloved, right? You had the whole ad So, what it was Was a facially neutral racist dog whistle Mm -hmm. That Republicans have been doing since the 80s Lee Atwater, Republican strategist in 1980 Openly said, you can go Google this, guys On Democracy-ish, we're not lying to you That you can no longer say the N-word Back in the day, you could say He literally said the N-word N-word, N-word, Edward We can't say that anymore So we need a coded language. We need to say stuff like uh, states' rights, bussing. And you make it so obscure, but on the back end, it's all racially motivated. And now 57%—and this is what people got pissed off at me for, Daniel. The hate mail that I got is so exquisite. Uh, (laughs) It's just beautiful. They got mad at me for simply sharing the reality that since 1952, a majority of white women have voted for Republican presidents and that a majority of white women— went for Trump in 2016 and even more white women went for Trump in 2020 2020. and 57% of white women went for Glenn Youngkin who has zero policy proposals except banning CRT. And I'm assuming like Texas now wants to ban books predominantly by black and brown authors. I asked why I gave an answer, which is because they are the handmaidens of white supremacy who have aggressively fought against desegregation. Because they have made the calculation that white supremacy benefits them and their families and their white husbands and sons and daughters. And just because of that, apparently you and I are, are racist. People of color are racist because we call it racism. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
1: I mean, it, what, it, it it's the absurdity of it for me. You know, because when you post about, you know, these people coming for you and what they're saying. Right, and it's just like these are facts, and I and I understand that we exist in a factless society, right? Where where we're the crazy ones for wanting to bring in statistics and numbers, um, but the reality is that they just, you know, on one hand, Donald Trump gave these people the permission to say the quiet part out loud. Right, Atwater told them in 1980, he said, "You know, we can't do this." Right. We can't we can't say this word, but we can say all of these words. Right. As if he was giving his own racist ass TED talk. You can use all these words. (laughs) Then Donald Trump comes around. Right. Which would have been Atwater's dream, dream candidate. His white dream. His white dream candidate comes around (laughs) and then everybody takes off their hoods. They go get their khakis and they get their tiki torches from party store. And then they go and they start marching down streets and they want to reclaim all of the things that they think have been stolen from them. What pisses me off is that our society and media at large lets white women off the hook. We oh. have no problem in talking about, you know, and and then also we let white women off the hook and then we frame white rage, white male rage as anxiety. Right. And every single time that when I heard the transition from economic anxiety to educational anxiety, I said, you are giving them the benefit of the doubt. These women as if they give a damn about what is actually happening in the public educ in the public school system, which they don't. No one was out there marching about making sure that the public schools had new HVACs so that the Mm. air was circulating when we're bringing kids back who were unvaccinated. Right. Mm. Until recently. We are not talking about more outdoors time, not teaching to the test. We're not talking about expanding our curriculum so that the kids that graduate are globally competitive, right? Mm. We're not. So when we're talking about this falsehood and the media is perpetuating this economic, this educational anxiety, no one is calling them out and saying, actually, If you really cared, you may want to be looking at one, two, three of the things that I just listed, as opposed to a made up curriculum that is only taught at the higher education level.
2: Well, it's it's because this country has always coddled white rage. It has always rationalized it. It has always hidden it. It has always given it euphemisms like economic anxiety, you remember in 2016, when so many writers and commentators of color, all of us said, it is not economic anxiety. The primary motivator is about identity and racial and cultural anxiety. They thought we were crazy. This economic anxiety argument, I mean, it's like, it's like Mike Myers, or like Jason Voorhees, it just wouldn't die. And it finally died, I think maybe six months ago, maybe. And it got replaced, like you said, real quick, with educational anxiety, because every single sober study that was done on Trump voters when they actually interviewed them. They said, we fear we fear we're being replaced. It's it's uh, the, the main reason we went for Trump was cultural and racial anxiety. Right. And so, you know, who else also has anxiety? Virginia, black and brown parents. I have anxiety over books being banned. I have anxiety over teachers who yell Islamophobic slurs. I have anxiety over black and brown kids who feel unsafe going to school. I have anxiety. I'm sure black parents have anxiety about their sons and daughters being shot and killed by police officers. I'm sure that Latino parents have anxiety also that their kids get hit with slurs. We have a lot of anxiety. And just to your point this week, Where we're talking about the average American parent, the suburban parent. Who has been interviewed? White women. Yeah. Who is the average? Like This is the euphemism. They are electable, the mainstream, heartland, rust belt, average, American. Not a single black parent has been interviewed. Latino parents haven't been interviewed. Asian American parents haven't been interviewed. We're average parents. We're American. We're in the South or the Midwest or the heartland. We have anxiety. And to this day... It's 2021. Uh, We're recording this in November. I have yet to see, Danielle, an article commissioned by a major paper asking Trump voters, have you reached out to all the voters of color in the Rust Belt, gone to their diners, drank their coffee, and asked them why they have so much anxiety that 81 million people voted for Biden? Have you seen that article yet? I haven't seen it yet. No,
1: no. I I do consistently see you know articles about how we are supposed to be empathetic how you and i as people of color are supposed to be empathetic to how quickly things are changing for white people and they just can't get a hold of it right they it's not it's not their fault and so you know they're just worried and i think that yunkin and the example that he set because it's going to be copycatted and it's going to be used it's already mm. being used um and we'll see it again in the midterm elections right we will see this, you know, parents choice. And now we're not talking about charter schools. Now we're talking about the choice to make sure that your children remain ignorant. And the question that I have for you too, you know, as a person that is a part of mainstream media, it's like, when do you think that the mainstream media is going to change. When are we going to see the roundtable discussions with black and brown parents about how young they have had to teach their kids about racism, about Islamophobia, about anti Semitism, about all of these things, right? That if you are from, if you're a child from a marginalized community, if you're a child of immigrants like I was and you are, like if you, if our parents had to give us talks from very, very young ages. Where are those roundtable conversations and why aren't they happening in the mainstream?
2: Well, this isn't a wild, uh, you know, this country came out uh, after the murder of George Floyd, right? 15 million to 22 million people came out in the largest protest in American history and it was. It is inspiring, and it led to a moment of change, right? And all these folks, especially some of these white women, not all white women, like I said, uh, I gave the number, 57%, were like, this is terrible, oh my God, wow. But I was sitting there as a student of history, and I was wondering, when will they choke hold us back? Two steps forward, one step back, throughout the history of America. And the answer to that question was, when we demand... Actual change. And so they gave us some black and brown females... Uh, spe- you know specifically women of color look a new editor look a new columnist new a uh, look new ho- look they finally got joy reed on primetime msnbc the the liberal network had zero people of color on primetime all right the only person of color in msnbc cnn and fox for years who had a primetime show from 6 to 12 was don lemon mm-hmm. now the rest of us are like this is important and this is good this is important but we knew that backlash was coming and so for those of you who are listening like wh- why how is the sausage made? Let me tell you this. I've had a very interesting career. Uh, Hollywood, think tanks, writer, you know, uh, contributing editor, New York Times, Daily Beast columnist, playwright. I've been very lucky to meet the wizards behind the curtain, mm-hmm. the gatekeepers. And the first thing I notice when I go to these meetings is not that, oh, I'm the only Muslim. The first thing I always notice is I am the darkest thing in this room. Mm. It's me and the plant and the Middle Eastern rug. And the plant is like, hug me. Hug me, please. And I'm like, we're not alone. And so it's not like these folks are evil. They're not bad. They're well-intentioned. But if your environment is an environment of whiteness, and you have nobody who looks like me or Danielle, no no pushback, no perspective, no insight into these communities, and these are the folks who create the headlines, who create the news, who report the news, right? You are missing out on America. You have a blind spot that you refuse to acknowledge, and they're so fickle and weak that when we call them out, they get super defensive. So to answer your question, that explains why so many people in the past week have interviewed repeatedly white women as a synonym for average white American, who then, when they ask them why they are worried, they literally tell you cultural anxiety and racist anxiety. They're literally admitting it. And they still are unable to call it out because... If you call it out, you have to acknowledge it and you have to acknowledge your role in perpetuating it. So it's much better to blame these darkies, these these woke blacks and browns. And you see stupid centrist Democrats who aren't centrists literally now weaponizing the right wing's language against their own team. Like how stupid do you have to be that you are using woke and cancel culture against progressives, code word, people of color? Like it's wild to me. Whiteness is wild.
1: It really is. And it's so disturbing. And I think that what troubles me the most is that I'm tired of talking about it. Right? Like I don't, like, I don't want to be in consistent conversation with other BIPOC people about whiteness. I want white people to have conversations about whiteness and how they have benefited from it and where they see flaws right? Where they see that things have broken down. You know, I have, I am a person, ye of little faith, right? <laughs> where I, I I look at all the wrongs. I, I've been interviewing, you know, historians and and authors like yourself and other journalists and, you know, activists. And I'm just like, how do you keep moving forward? Mm. Right? Because like this shit is just overwhelming because in every direction that you look you're right and i would argue we don't just take two we take maybe a step forward and then five steps back every Mm. time that Mm. something good happens every time you know we had we say to ourselves oh my god we have barack obama wonderful amazing and then it's like nah that was too good so we're gonna give you the worst white man in america
2: but are you but that's it exactly it's a great example We got eight years of Barack Obama inheriting the trash legacy of George W Bush whom they've already whitewashed as this eccentric old man who paints the and best thing top. that ever
1: happened to bush was donald trump because if donald trump never came <laughs> around bush and cheney would have been you know resident hall Evil. of famers yeah. yeah
2: hall of famer villains i mean because we're old enough to remember the disaster the utter disaster of that eight-year uh administration and things got so bad in america that americans are like we're gonna elect a black man whom we think is muslim and then as soon as that black man got elected <laughs> they're like holy shit we elected a black family to the White House, a black man is now president, a black man is the most powerful man in the world, and this country had a collective white lash, and like you said, they elected the most racist, xenophobic man, which is a beautiful microcosm of America's relationship with racial progress. It's like, it's exquisite. He can't even get better than that. So what did America do after Barack Obama? We elected Donald Trump. What did he run on? A Muslim ban. And he called Mexicans rapists and criminals. And he openly did racist dog whistles. And all the data shows the more racist he was, the base ate it up. And now we have a radicalized death cult that is fighting for whiteness because I believe we're witnessing the death rattle of white supremacy which has become a death march. I think they're playing for all the marbles, Daniel. And I think people think, oh, this is like, first, I think this is the third act. I think we're in the middle of it. I think Mm. this is going to be a fight for our lifetime in the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. You think, you think, I'm, you know, they always said I was crazy, right? I said, Trump isn't going to leave. Oh, you should see the tweets I got. You're crazy, you're you're reactionary. I said, the Republican Party is going to get more radical and weaponized. You said, once Trump is gone, the moderates will take over. Look at it right now. They elected 10 people, this just this is bigger news. I love. I find it amazing that apparently people of color and liberals are too extreme and wait for it woke, mm-hmm. and that explains why these whites went for friggin' Yunkin. But no one's mentioning that ten Republicans who were at the violent insurrection got elected to office.
1: From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood, that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold.
0: Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition.
1: The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections.
2: We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors and their political party instead of for us.
1: We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out,
2: but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs.
1: Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff
2: the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come.
1: Visit represent. us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. I didn't even know that. I did Ten. not even know that.
2: Yeah, you didn't. That 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 to I me mean, like you guys are James. They bring up James Carville's you know corpse from nineteen ninety two, and he comes on TV and lectures the Democrats this week and says, "You guys have gone too woke." That's why Terry McAuliffe lost. Terry McAuliffe is the whitest man on earth a moderate, a, a freaking staple and from I'm Clinton, like, And he, wealthy. Had no,
1: he had no goddamn campaign. Terry yeah. McAuliffe lost because of Terry McAuliffe.
2: Yeah, but he didn't run on the quote-unquote woke campaign, whatever that means. He didn't say defund the police. He wasn't on the Green New Deal. And you are now blaming the rest of us, right? This is what Democrats, and some Democrats get upset at me for saying this. You cannot tokenize your base. Your base is the following. 85 to 90% black voters, 70% Asian American, 65 to 70% Latino, 40 to 45% max white. You're never gonna get the majority of white nope. people. So it's a diverse coalition who always delivers for you, led by black folks and people of color. And if you don't deliver for them, and if you don't give them a message, and you, you instead keep chasing Karen, which is exactly what these centrists. And Carville and Democratic strategists who are highly paid but wrong keep saying you avoid the discussion that is on the table that the Republicans are weaponizing, which they have since 60s. And that discussion is around, wait for it, race. The culture war, and Democrats never want to touch it, and they're like, no, 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 let's not touch it at all. And Republicans are like, we're gonna make love to it, we're gonna have a threesome with it, (laughs) we're gonna, we're gonna gonna do the fucking most, yeah, Yeah. we're gonna do every freaky thing we want with this, and we're gonna win over white voters. And Democrats are like, let let us, we want to win you, Karen. Karen has not gone for you since nineteen fifty two, right? And you keep
1: asking Karen to the prom, and Karen's like, nah, I'm good.
2: And I'm, you I'm going for this keep, tiki torch uh, dude with a crew cut in yeah, Charlottesville.
1: like, that's my man. Like, I am standing by that man. That's my man, right? And Democrats keep knocking on her door. And I'm like, no one is answering. But the people that are sitting outside saying, hey, I can go. I'm free. You're like, ooh, yeah, about that, about the blacks. Yeah, about
2: that, about the blacks and the browns. Uh, why don't you sit this one out? Uh, we need your vote, but just, uh, yeah, just it's be like quiet what, about what, it. It was what, like, what, it's, you know, let's Carvel. Carvel came out. If you guys don't know, Carvel, uh, this the Democratic strategist, the from guy a, who from helped, a, from 1914. Yeah, yeah, from like 1940s, who helped Clinton. Let's not forget, you know, Clinton pandered to black and brown voters. Yep. He went on Arsenio, Arsenio Hall, Hall show. So I remember that. Put on the shades, the saxophone. The saxophone, yeah. Right, right. C- Kissed the black babies, uh, but at the same time, had his Bubba shtick where, you know, he's from the South and went to McDonald's. And when it push came to shove, people always forget this, he threw best selling author Sister Soldier under the bus. Sister soldier, how dare you? Look at these irresponsible lyrics. This is a deep cut for you old timers listening to Democracy-ish, right? (laughs) I Uh, love it. And remember, even Biden, but Biden has changed. Biden came out with that atrocious crime bill Mm -hmm. that, that weaponized the law against black and brown people, the mandatory minimums that Clinton had to now apologize for. And, you know, Biden, to his credit, apologized for it. But it gives you a perfect crystallized, you know, microcosm of black and brown folks. You come in and vote for us. But then when it comes for us delivering, we're not going to deliver for you. We're going to chase Karen. And there is a message here, Daniel, where you can get that 40 to 45% whites and the rest of us by mixing a race and class populist message like Barack Obama did. Because Barack Obama could not run away from race because he was a black man. So we went all in and gave him a message. And he he went deep into it, a multicultural society, hope, and Democrats have the policies, but if you ain't gonna message and court your base, and you have literally no counter message to CRT, which let's be I honest, mean, we're gonna be my, critical. They had no counter message.
1: They had no I couldn't understand. First of all, I couldn't understand how you didn't see it coming, right? Because Fox News have been using critical race theory as their next boogeyman for at least six months prior It's the summer. Since the, since, since the summer prior to this election. And so I'm saying to myself, how is it that you waited this long and still had no messaging? Because I feel that Democrats believe that they can kind of just shrug things off, right? Oh, the electorate is smarter than that. And I keep telling people, actually, no, they're not. Nope. Americans are not that bright. Like they are member Pac-Man. Let's be really old right now. They will just gobble up whatever the fuck you put in front of them, right? And so if you're not putting the truth, if you have no counterbalance, then they just keep gobbling up what Tucker Carlson's saying. They That's gobble right. up what Yunkin is saying. And Democrats are not enter they're not acting in defense. They're not in their space. They're not saying actually, and even I per- I per- personally believe too that even saying that CRT isn't taught in in K through 12 is still battling them on their turf. Agreed. The thing that should be said, how in my humble opinion is, what is concerning about you? What is concerning you about teaching children about the truth of this country, about its founding, about slavery, about mm. Jim Crow? Like mm. these things actually happened, right? Like, your grandparents and your parents participated in this so if they couldn't participate in it we have pictures and video what is it you're trying to protect your children from because those to me are the like you say you have cultural anxiety racial anxiety all of these things and you're you fear for your child what is it that you fear exactly
2: that's exactly i i would i would be just like that i would actually hit harder and i would say the following why are you trying to ban books yes That would be my counter. Are you for banning books? Because I'm not. I'm for a diverse, open community where all of our kids have a chance to learn about U.S. history and learn about each other and become better people. You say you're for a kid's safety. Why are you against vaccine mandates? Why are you against mask mandates? Why are you against gun control when there are massacres killing our children? Are you really for protecting our kids? I'm for protecting our kids. I want gun control. I want vaccines. I want masks. I want a healthy education. I'm not for banning books. That's what I would do. None of that. What you got to do is this. uh, You know, this is my opinion. This is what Youngkin did. Manufactured a fear that racist dog whistle of CRT. CRT is the remake of Sharia, welfare queens, busing rights. Okay. Got it. You triggered the, the emotion. You got the emotion. Now you got people terrified. Now I'm telling you, there were Democratic parents. I'm in Virginia. I'm telling you folks who are listening. You're absolutely right, Danielle. Democrats sleep on this. They think this shit doesn't work. We have the attention span of a gnat. We will forget the January 6th violent insurrection. It's gone. And Tucker Carlson and the Right Wing Disinformation Network, to quote Steve Bannon, they flood the zone with shit knowing full well the American appetite is for sensationalism. So you got the emotional messaging already done manufactured racial anxiety crt then you got the policy we're gonna ban crt we're gonna ban crt that's not taught right now because they're gonna hate their teaching
0: hey i'm alok the host of build the change a brand new podcast from mac blue about the people at the center of progress Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves, real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: us to hate white people and make your kids transgender. And then you got the messaging, parents' choice. There you go. That's the trinity. That's how they did it. And Democrats had no counter for it, even though... And this is, I think, where you and I get very frustrated, and I think many of your listeners get very frustrated, is Democrats have the policy. They have the policy, yep. but they have no, they don't no emotionally connect, and they don't have the message. No one gives a shit about Build Back Better. In fact, according to that CBS poll from a couple of weeks ago, only 10% of people know what's in it. And then when you tell them what's in it, friggin' lowering prescription drugs just now, yesterday, the, the poll came out, 88% of Americans are for it. Like, you, 88% of Americans don't even think that the, the, the world is round, okay? Like, 88%. You got 70% for paid parental leave. You got, like, 75% for friggin' uh, free pre-K. So the Democratic policy is a massively successful policy with Democrats, Republicans, independents. But if no one knows about it, if you don't message it, and if it doesn't uh, uh, trigger like an a, emotional response, it, it's flat. It's dead. It's
1: a, it's a tree that falls in the forest, and we're asking, does anybody hear it? That is every single Democratic policy, right? Because instead of just understanding, and this is and this is why I feel crazy, and I hate being a part of a a losing ass team. I I feel I want to be a winner, right? And every time I say to Democrats, I'm just like, this is not rocket science, right? Republicans care so little about the American people that they didn't even offer a platform in 2020. They said remix what we did in 2016, as if there were. No more historic fires or floods, or racial uprising, or, you know, cities around this country that don't have clean drinking water, as if there were not major issues that they needed to create new policy or expanded policy to address. That's how little they care about the American people. So little, in fact, that they don't want to give you back your hard-earned tax dollars in order to fund the bridges and the roads that you need to drive on in order to get to your work to feed back the shareholders and the CEOs that they want to prop up. So they don't even want to do that. And I'm saying, to myself, it's not that hard to counter message against their bullshit because they don't offer
2: anything. That's right. You have to hit them, though. So, but what I've said on your uh, other uh, podcast <laughs> is that Democrats historically have brought a pencil to a knife fight, and Mitch McConnell and Republicans bring a bazooka. 10 out of 10, who's walking out of that fight alive? And this doesn't mean you give up your ethics. This doesn't mean you give up your morals. This doesn't mean you do illegal shit like Republicans do. But you got to put on the brass knuckles and fight. So I think we all agree that you have to be proactive in creating a message that appeals to your diverse coalition. 85-90% Black, 70% Asian, 65-70% Latino, and max 40-45% white people. You mix that with a race class narrative you have the policies it has to evoke an emotion but that's not enough you need to simultaneously tell Americans who is your competition and attack attack that competition the republicans are really good at that they have no policy but they terrify you they say re- democrats are socialist woke they're going to steal uh, your guns you know, you're gay, they're going to transgender everybody have abortions you, boom boom and and people say holy shit that's what the democrats are they're crazy Democrats, uh, all the issues you mentioned, I think you have a message. Hey, Republicans, why are you pro potholes? Because we just passed infrastructure. Hey, Republicans, how come you don't believe in climate change? How come you think it's a hoax? What's your plan for climate change? Hey, Republicans, it's been more than 10 years for Obamacare. What's your policy yeah, to give where, where us?
1: was Yeah, where was that bill that we were all waiting on? You said that you were working on something. Yeah, yeah, it's wh- been wh- 10 years.
2: Yeah, wh- how come you don't care about our kids' health? How come you don't care about parents and you're not supporting paid parental leave? How come you're not caring about children and not giving a free pre— Like, I would just—the thing with Democrats is they—I'll give you a beautiful example. Dana Bash, CNN. I think it was yesterday— repeats the atrocious friggin ridiculous woke line that no one's defined by the way and asks a democratic senator, i think it was warner uh are democrats too woke he got hit you could see he's like like phased for a second and he goes oh no look biden uh didn't do defund the police they fell right into the trap i would say first of all what do you mean by woke what does that mean does that mean believing in climate change? Yeah, we believe in climate change. Yep. How come Republicans don't? Does that mean believing in democracy? We believe in democracy. Right now, the majority of Republicans are supporting a violent insurrection and calling them martyrs. How come they're not too extreme? How come the party that does thinks climate change is a hoax is not extreme? How come the party that wants to kill Obamacare and has no replacement isn't extreme? That's what I would do. I would immediately counter and hit nonstop. I would concede zero ground because the modern GOP... Is a radicalized, weaponized death cult, Danielle? They literally have nothing. I mean, people might think, "Oh, you're being a partisan hack saying this." In the comment section, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong when I say the, the modern Republican Party is a radicalized, weaponized death cult. Show me the policies.
1: I, I just, I, I mean, and and the fact is, when you bring up the Dana Bash, you know, example, which pisses me off, is because that as journalists, right, they don't ask those questions to Republicans. Right. They don't say to them, you know, why? Like we just had a season, a fire season, right, that burned ne- millions, millions of acres, killed millions of animals, burned up people's homes that is going to cost billions of dollars that we don't have. If you care, if you have economic anxiety, wouldn't you be concerned about the fact that climate change is getting worse? In- increasingly worse every single season which is costing us billions of dollars that we don't have and your insurance your home insurance is going to start to not pay for those things right That's because right. they're like oh did the flood come from that or did you leave the faucet on did it come from this outside or did it come from something else oh we can't cover that right and so it's just like it's it's intellectually dishonest what the media does with republicans Right. Because there is an opportunity to do all of the things that you said without seeming like you're partisan. But when you go in and you're talking about, oh, is the Biden administration too woke? What the fuck have they done? I'm still yeah. I'm, you know, if you ask me, Merrick Garland, who's at the Department of Justice, is asleep. If you ask me, I, I think that most of the time Biden is asleep because you still think that you're negotiating over scotch with Mitch McConnell, who literally wants to put a knife in your back. So, I'm just like, I, I'm confused about where this insinuation came from, other than Tucker Carlson and Fox News, and you deciding to gobble up their talking points.
0: Well, that's
2: it. It's a, the funny thing is, Danielle wants to, <laughs> Danielle goes to the opposite extreme. She goes, You're not woke enough. Uh, but you, you're exactly right, is that they, the stupid, just idiotic, quote unquote, centrist Democrats who are beholden to corporate donors and the 1992 model and are terrified and are unable to message properly and that's why they blame the quote-unquote squad that has become the piñata for like the world, right? In 2020 if you remember the midterms, the quote-unquote centrist Democrats blamed the squad and defund the police for them losing even though no one was running on defund the police and then I was like, yo why aren't you mess Look if the Republicans, and some people might not hear this, we all know about disinformation mm-hmm. we know about the right-wing propaganda network mm-hmm. we know about Tucker Carlson, fine Why is it that you're allowing them to define your party? Why is it that you're allowing them to attack you as woke? Why is it that the viewers think that the policies that you don't support, you're supporting? That's a failure on you and your messaging. You have to. I've said this to Democrats. You cannot run away from the term liberal anymore. You cannot run away from the term progressive anymore. You have to define it. You have to sell it and you have to be proud about it and attach it to these wildly popular policies that even centrists and independents like. You cannot run away from it anymore, Abigail Spanberger, all right? You have to literally own it and then you have to attack the Republicans and tell the American people that they are the extremists. We are proud liberals. This is what we're for. And by the way, look at the polls. We represent most of America. And by the way, look at moderate Joe Biden who got 81 million votes. We are the mainstream. But if you sit there on the back foot and allow them to weaponize words like woke and cancel culture, and then like idiots, use those words against your fellow Democrats, who's going to win? Danielle?
1: I mean, we know. We know who's going to win. I I just, you know, my my final thoughts here, and and I want to get your final thoughts, because. I am, like I say, I'm I'm losing hope, right? And you have young children and I feel like Mm. people with children have to have hope, right? Right. Because otherwise, like, what are you doing as a parent? But like, you know, for me, I am losing hope in anything being restored, in accountability for the insurrection in the fact that we have insurrectionists that are now members of Congress that actually aided and abetted these people that tried to to overthrow our government. Um, We don't have a Justice Department that has a a backbone to really go after the criminal, the the criminals that were a part of the Trump administration and the criminals that keep criming out in broad daylight because ain't nobody going to check them. where do you see us headed and how do you i mean do you consider yourself a hopeful person
2: yeah so like like you said when you're a parent of three kids like i am you have to be hopeful because in the absence of hope there's nihilism and cynicism and that's not an inheritance I want to give my three brown skinned kids with multisyllabic names, right? At the same time, as you know, I'm a pragmatist. I'm not a wide-eyed, romantic, delusional optimist, right? We're at DEFCON CON too. We have one of the major Republican part we one of the major two of one of the two major parties, the Republican Party and the entire conservative movement, a majority of whom believe the big lie that the election was stolen and are actively working to suppress votes, purge state legislatures, Purge those Republican secretaries of state who put country above party, right? Massive gerrymandering plus propaganda and disinformation. They've already told us what their end game is. Their end game is to model this country like Hungary. If you don't know what Hungary is, Viktor Orban's Hungary is no longer a democracy according to the mm-hmm. Democracy Scale. He was a small liberal who then used nationalist policies to get power, purged uh, the judiciary. Purged uh, universities, purged the media, and him and his rich friends are now a type of oligarchy who basically uh, fuel the base by giving them enough social policies, but also a whole bunch of xenophobia and romantic white nationalist conspiracy theories. And Tucker Carlson of Fox News spent a week doing a show from Hungary. That alone should be like six months' worth of controversy. So that's what we're up against, a radicalized, weaponized death cult that will bring down all of democracy for power. They're going to bring it all down, and they'll even act—they'll even self-immolate if they have to, but they won't give us power. I give give an analogy, and then I'll answer this question about hope. You'll be like, what the F-watch? How do you still have hope after this? (laughs) The analogy I have, and then also Jonathan Metzl happened to use in his book Dying for Whiteness, Mm -hmm. is if given a choice— between sharing a room in a big house or burning down the house, these guys are gonna burn down the entire neighborhood, including themselves. And I think uh, the book, that Heather McGee's book mentioned this, that when it was desegregation, instead of sharing the community pool with black and brown kids, they decided to do what, Daniel? Drain the pool. Drain the entire pool. That's yep. what we're up against. So how do I have hope? It's because there are a majority of us. This is nothing new. This is the ongoing story of America. I refuse to give up. I refuse to go down without a fight. I see the 15 to 20 million people who came out for George Floyd. I see the 81 million people who came out for Joe Biden. I see the fact that Joe Biden himself is actually a moderate becoming more progressive. I see how he's telling the progressives to hold a line. I see how we somehow got the infrastructure bill to passed. I see how at the very least, I think eventually Merrick Garland in the House They're going to crack skulls. And I feel like the only way forward is for us to fight because in the absence of us fighting, it's over. It's done. And I also, you know, I'm I'm a brown-skinned dude. I'm a Muslim. I'm a son of Pakistani immigrants who, the first half of my life, grew up with the traditional model minority American dream, right? Before all went to hell. Before my parents went to jail, which I talk about in my book. Before I went broke. Before I went bankrupt. Before my house was foreclosed. And then I had a foot in the America that the rest of us inhabit. And in those dark days, and for many Americans, it's dark days. It's always been dark days. Uh, You need joy just to live. Yes. You need hope just to live. And I learned from black folks. Look what they've gone through. Black people, indigenous people. Look at what Latinos have gone through. The Chinese who got excluded from the Chinese Exclusion Act, who literally were brought here to build the railroads. And America said, F you, Chinese, you're replacing us. Look at the Japanese Born and raised here, were seen as a threat, and they got relocated into friggin' internment camps because America had economic anxiety. They stayed, they fought, they struggled. So this is the epic struggle for our generation and for this country. Whether this country will push and expand and stretch itself to accommodate all our kids, to be pro- co-protagonists of the narrative, or will white supremacy destroy us all, I ain't going down without a fight and yes we have structural inequalities we have gerrymandering we have the freaking electoral college we have voter purges but i still remain hopeful that maybe just maybe this will be the wake up call especially yeah. covid yeah maybe covid will be the wake up call for enough people and enough white people say this shit is is toxic we we're, we're all going to die and it's a, it's a razor-thin margin, Daniel. But what the final thing I'll say is my kids got the vaccine shot yesterday. And my daughter, who's five years old, got the vaccine shot with my son, who's seven. And my daughter survived cancer, stage four cancer, and a full liver transplant. And if I had given up hope at that time mm. two years ago, we wouldn't be here today. And so for that, for the fact that there's a vaccine, for the fact that maybe in the springtime there will literally be life again here and enough people see how crazy and bad shit the Republicans are going to become, maybe, just maybe, we fight the good fight, and that's what keeps, gives me hope. I, I can't give my children the inheritance that they'll be a victim and that their dad gave up.
1: I love you. You're amazing. Folks, thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody, Wajahat Ali. Thank you so much for guest hosting this week. And folks, we will be back because we are not going to allow white... Supremacy to steal our joy. So see you next week.